Back and live. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and welcome to Arc City. The Arc City Podcast is presented by Stiefel Financial. Go to stiefel.com to learn more. I was going to publish this podcast yesterday on the eve of the World Champ Slalom Race, but I got superstitious and decided to just wait one day. Now, one day later, AJ Guinness is the silver medalist, and I feel like I need to publish this podcast immediately so people can hear his story. Before I click play, I have a quick announcement. Arc City merchandise has arrived. We've got hats, t-shirts, stickers, sweatshirts, and more. All profits go to funding my ski season, and 5% goes to the Share Winter Foundation. So go to jimmykrupka.com or arccity.com if you're interested. Oh, and one last thing. If this is your first time visiting Arc City, I wish you a very warm welcome. And I encourage you to look back on the catalog of episodes that I've put together. There's some great ones out there. Lucas Broughton, Michaela Schifrin, Ralph Green is one of my absolute favorites. So download a few for your next car ride or something. Now, without further ado, the man of the hour, AJ Guinness. AJ Guinness, welcome to Arc City. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. It's an honor. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you. I want to give some background to our listeners that I'm not a bandwagon fan because maybe a month ago we were in the same we were in Neater Tie together and I asked you to be on the podcast and you're like, no, 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 don't do me, do Dave Riding. So you set me up with Dave, which huge thank you, by the way. Um <laughs> But, but like, you know, and then you got second at this World Cup, like Greece's first ever podium, like everyone wants meteor quests with you. So thanks for the Dave thing. And thanks for fitting me in now. Dude, my pleasure. Yeah, I just thought at the time, uh, Dave's a little harder to get a hold of. He's a little older, too. He's not that good at technology. So, you know, <laughs> getting to sit down next to you, probably best way to deal with him. <laughs> yeah, that worked out perfectly. Yeah. So where are you right now exactly? So we just got to Courchevel. Um, just did a really nice prep in uh, Tanal, Switzerland. So I got to Courchevel yesterday, took today off, and then, uh, yeah, got two days to get ready for Sunday. And then you'll send it down the World Champs slalom race. What's that hill like? Um, looked at it. I've looked at it a couple of times now. I've seen it a couple of times. It's in, definitely in the shade. Looks like there's like a left foot fall away the entire way down, kind of like 10, 15 gates, pretty steep in your face out of the start, but looks pretty cool. Like uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of moving parts. It'll be interesting to see what the snow does. Um, apparently they watered, they watered it aggressively and it's slick right now, but really? yeah, it's also warming up. So uh, yeah, it's always funny to see how these things set up for race day, huh? <laughs> yeah yeah because sometimes it looks really good and then race day it totally changes um and you're hoping i mean well actually what bib are you running now that you're uh now that you have um, those results i i don't know i think i i'm in the i'm in top 30 wcsl and because it's world champs there's some people missing in front of me so i should be starting like mid to low 20s from what oh I can, sweet like, yeah which is way better than the 40 what you started 40 something when you got second last race yeah so chamonix was 45 that was my best bib of the year and then the rest of the year i was been, i've been starting anywhere from like 46 to 50 um yeah i mean i've i've been racing world cup for such a long time i think my best world cup start has been 44 so i'm really <sighs> really really excited to see what a cleaner course on the first run looks like <laughs> oh it's it's it makes such a difference. I mean, I mean, there are some races where the surface is good, but then you watch races like Fengen, and it's like it, the the changes by a tenth every single person. Like it's yeah. I I bet you're excited for that. No, for sure, and especially this year. I mean, January was a pretty pretty warm month on the World Cup circuit. So like races such as like Garmisch and Fengen, you know, if you start in the top thirty, there's you know definitely an advantage and then even races like Adelboden and uh, Schladming you know like even Kidsfield like it was just a tough month of January so uh you know getting getting a nice race in Chamonix was awesome and just like hope you know taking advantage hopefully taking advantage of this new bib is going to be 
sweet as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's jump right into it. I am anxious to hear, like, I just want to hear your story of the race because those kind of races are magical and it's what like yeah. ski racers search for, for their whole careers. And I know you've got more in the tank, but it's like a huge stepping stone. So, um, just kind of run me through the highlights of the day. Man, I mean, I can, I can even start before that, honestly, because it's like kind of like the yeah. mentality of what brought me into that day. So, you know, came off of injury last year. Um, we did a, a lot of cool stuff and, you know, started off in Val d'Isere first race of the year. Um, you know, started 49 first run in Val d'Isere, came down the 13th, then second run moved up a spot. And then after the race, uh, turns out I straddled a flush. It was like one of those sneaky straddles that, you know, your ski kind of just goes the wrong way in between the two gates uh i didn't feel it but fist caught it afterwards um so i was disqualified who by the way who did someone turn you in did someone look at the video and say hey aj straddled or how did that go at go down so what happened was when i came down my ski did something weird so it looked like it like kind of went on the inside of the flush but fist looked at it and they couldn't see anything and then after the race so the results came out then after the race um there was a protest and I think the Croatian team had video from behind and you could see that the gate, there was a frame where the gate was kind of between my legs. So then what Fist does is that they look at all their cameras that they have on the hill and they, they, they caught a very clear look and it was like, it was obviously, it was uh, a straddle, but it was a, it was in, it was an angle that wasn't visible from the live feed or from where all the coaches were, were standing. So it was like, as sneaky as it gets, let's put it that way. So, wow. anyways, you know, you I go through that intense up and down, you know, like come back from injury and I think I'm 12th at the World Cup instead I get disqualified. And then, you know, a couple of races like Madonna skied well, but skied out. Um, you know, Garmish was just terrible, horrible. Um, yeah. Out of boat, you know, like tough conditions, but managed to get 20th starting 20 at uh, 48th. So that was like, you know, first points back. And then, you know, Vengen, another terrible race. Kitzbühel didn't ski well. Schlobming was skiing great, but straddled. So, you know, like kind of a tough, you know, a lot of a lot of things to be happy for, you know, like coming back, I was skiing well in training, had some really good glimpses in racing, but, you know, nothing really to hang my hat on from the first seven races of the year, right? So we go to Chamonix. Chamonix is kind of a home race. Um, one of my coaches, Gabby Coulet, he's from there. So we head there right after Schlodming and we have like a week to prep and start skiing. It's immediately, it's cold, it's icy. So I'm skiing really, really well on training and it's just really comfortable on that hill because I've raced on it before. Uh-huh. So going into the race, you know, there's a lot of confidence from our side. They're like, yeah, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be good. Like we didn't, I so know you were pretty, you were pretty fast in training. Like compared to guys, like guys, other guys in the World Cup you're training with. Yeah, I, I can. I'm I'm fortunate to be able to bring pace to training. It doesn't always translate <laughs> racing. But humble way to say training, it. Yeah. yeah, training goes well. Maybe it's like intensity. It's also like you know, for me, training is like I view it as really important. But there's also guys who like are just so successful and then just can't get motivated for training, and then bring it out on race day, right? So there's like even if you're fast in training doesn't mean, you know, it's cool. You can get some confidence from it, especially if it's good skiing, but you know, like it's not something you should really, or that's, that's just my opinion. Not something you should be carried away, away from or with, but anyways, for us, it was like, you know, spent, I was fast in training. I was skiing really well. So, you know, going to the race, we were like, okay, this is, this should be good. So, you know, we get on the hill in the morning for inspection and it's, it's icy. Finally, it's like first, icy like hard snow that we've seen since um since Val d'Isere really so do the inspection make it to the bottom make a game plan with Sandy and Gabby and then you know they really just drill they just drill me with like dude like just solid skiing nothing special you make it down and you will be good yeah so you know um kick out of the gate kind of that's exactly what I did like skied solid made it down I, I was 23rd after first run Yep. And what was really cool about that was, you know, I was only, I think, 1.5 out from first place. So it was like a super tight race. I think Flip, Flip was like one one seven or something. It was it was silly. Yeah, I remember so, that. So 
Um, you know, we, we're going up for second round inspection. Um, snow's again amazing. Like it's cold, sun's coming out. And we got on the hill and we started inspecting, and it's set by Croisy, Austrian coach, and he set pretty crazy stuff, like like, you know, offsets. Uh yeah, there was that like there was that crazy like offset delay way across the hill where you're going like two yeah. miles an hour by the end of it. Exactly. Yeah. This delay, which is literally like, you know, you're looking at an inspection and it's, it was a blue gate. If I, if I remember correctly, and you couldn't really see it in the, and the trees were behind it. And you were like, you know, that's like 14, 50 meters away, whatever the max was, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're just like, you know, telling yourself, it's like, okay, when you come here, just remember that there's a gate across the hill here. So like hit that before you start going back down the hill. Um. Anyways, like a lot of tricks like that. But it was also like a course that kind of benefited me because it was kind of in the fall line and parts. And that's that's mostly time, like places where I show, show tend to show my strengths. Anyways, like make it to the bottom again with the boys, talk about it. Everything goes well. Um, and the next thing I know, I'm in the start and Sandy comes up. I'm running eighth. Sandy comes up and just says like, hey, man, like people are really struggling with xyz you know just make sure blah 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 and like gives me like a laundry list of things to do so on the course like what like what uh, people yeah okay yeah well yeah what people were doing wrong so i'm like okay so like start skiing and i think i'm like at this point i'm like 10 gates from the finish this is the like the next thing i remember i'm like 10 gates from the finish and i'm like over this roll and i'm like damn i really i didn't really mess up anywhere like I'm either going extremely slow and this course just coming at me super slow or I just like just lace one down. <laughs> so then I cross the finish line, you know, next thing I see is like eight tenths up. And, you know, before me, I ran eighth, but there were some really good guys that went before me, like Feller, Steen Olsen, Gastrine, um, Malberg, like guys who had some serious speed. So when I come down and see eight tenths, I'm like in a tight race, I'm like, Ooh, that's, <laughs> That's gotta be um so you know i i i sit on i sit on the chair never first time in my life and you know i got oh, i got really? guys coming up to me immediately and they're like dude that's that's a top 10 bro, bro that's a top five that's a top seven i'm like yo like shush like don't <laughs> no one jinx anything i don't know what what, what just happened and, and you know sure enough like people start coming down after me and it's like you know gap is pretty visible so i was like wow so I guess I just, I just I just sit here now. So like you know, people are coming up and they're super happy for me, which honestly meant the world for me. But at the same time, uh, we call him Fist Mike. Uh, he's like in charge of the finish area there and all the rules. He's like, like making me do all these things, like you know, like oh, like hey, like hey, camera's coming, like okay, do this, do that. So I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it, but oh. for, I don't want to like mess up anything. So I'm like so, super so like. Wait, I yep. sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. I I just that's so interesting to me. They have a dude there, like by the leader box, who's just like, "Hey, the camera's on you. Get ready to wave or something like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, Mike is in charge of like the finish area. I don't know his exact uh, his exact uh, title, but he is the man. And he, you know, he's the guy you come down. To, you give him his skis. He checks your skis, and then yeah, like you know, before every TV break, he's like, "Hey, camera's gonna come on you." Like, okay your thing and then you know it's it's a tv production so which makes yeah, yeah. sense so i'm doing all that stuff at the same time i'm like taking off my boots because my feet hurt and yeah i'm just chilling in the leader's chair and seeing how long this lunacy lasts and then next thing i know um what was the next big thing oh yeah henrik straddles yeah and like after henrik straddles yeah, I think Henrik was like fifth or fourth after first run. After Henrik straddled, I was like, oh my God, this this might be a podium. Actually, I was like, this is probably a podium. <laughs> um, so then Fist, Fist Mike comes to me again. He's like, yep, put your suit on. Like, this is the, like the last couple of guys are coming. Um, and then so I put my suit on. Um, obviously, I, I didn't come prepared. Um, normally, you have to wear a hat or something with your head sponsor on it. The only thing I had was my helmet, so I threw my helmet back on because, you know, of course, I didn't prepare. I thought I was just going to be sunbathing in the finish. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, next thing I know, Daniel comes down. 
And I thought Daniel was going to come down in front of me because he was the only guy on the third split who still had a green light. Um, so yeah, Daniel crossed the finish. I think he was four hundreds behind me, and I just lost it. I was like, Damn, "Was that when that's... you jumped over the the um, fence yeah. and went hugged Gabby and Sandy?" Yeah, exactly. Because like at that point, I was like, "Where's Gabby and Sandy?" And it was like kind of a long road to go up to my right because that's where the entrance was, and also like. Mike wanted me contained there because I'd been like moving around because people were coming up to me and like talking to me. So I was like chatting back. So he's like, dude, you got to be in the chair. And at that point I was like, eh, screw it. Like <laughs> jumped the fence and then went straight to them. And then, yeah, the rest was just surreal. Like you're, you're sitting there again with the rule, like the rules, like Mike is telling me to do stuff, but I'm also in this like state of bliss and like, I'm not listening or my, my head's not working. So uh -huh. like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the idiot who like, you know, does something wrong during the award ceremony. I mean, I'm wearing my Converse with my shin guards over me because my feet hurt so bad. I couldn't go back in my boots. <laughs> so wait, so yeah, the, do they have like, they, there's rules, like you have to be wearing your suit. You have to have your head sponsor, like all this stuff, but, like when you're on the podium or, or like where, when they do that little ceremony right after the race. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call them rules, but, you know, if you have a head sponsor, probably a good time to have it on your helmet or on your yeah. head. Um, you know, I asked him I asked him about the boots. I talked to the Fisher guys like, hey, guys, I'm sorry. Like, I can't put my foot back in my boot. It really, really hurts. And they're like, ah, it's fine. Go in your shoes. Um, so stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, you do the awards. Uh, you know, you do the national anthem. It's that weird part too, where they they play the Swiss national anthem. And you're like, oh, do I take my helmet off? Do I keep it on? It's disrespectful, so you just take it off and yeah. go along with it. And then you know, the champagne comes, and that's really when it hit me. Like they give you the champagne, and I never really, you know, popped a bottle to celebrate like that before. So I'm like, okay, I better not mess this one up. Yeah. And next thing I know. <laughs> Daniel just doused the entire bottle of champagne in my face, which was funny and pretty much one of the best moments of my life. And yeah, then it hit me. I was like, damn, you just got second in our World Cup. Uh, that's crazy. That's stupid. That's lucky. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, like you can you can call it luck, but like that those it's not like the course deteriorated that much. I think you just threw down a freaking fast run. Yeah, it was just like, I mean, I was asking guys that were coming down. I was like, yo, is the like, I mean, I, I know it's a super shitty thing to ask. I'm like, yo, like, did the course get bad? He's like, no, like, course is good. Like, people would be like, no, nah, man, course is holding up great, which would yeah. make me nervous the next time guys coming down. But at the same time, it's like that perfect zone where it's just like, I was lucky enough that, you know, first round was just really tight, you know, like being 23rd, 1.5 out. And then second run being a set where it was one of those sets where, you know, like, you know, I, I can, you know, I run that course another three times. Maybe I'm not really close to my time. It's just one of those courses where I just skied perfectly, like took risk where I had to like skied smart what I had to, and just everything went great. <laughs> yeah. So what are the, um, the, the cons not the consequences like how has this whirlwind of media been after the race like have you talked to greek media have you you know what what's going on i mean greece was probably the craziest i mean in the ski world too i it was honestly i'll say this like one of the best parts of the day was the outpour of support and like love that was shown for me from the ski racing community like so many guys like competitors more probably friends who just like you know had the nicest things to say about what has just happened like that really really touched my heart and then yeah like outside of the ski world you know um in greece it was it was it was it was huge i mean i was it was played on every single media outlet um i was on a couple of tv shows like talk shows stuff like that um and that's honestly the cool thing about greece greece is a small country it's got 11 million people but the pride is just insane so whenever greece has someone you know competing amongst the best in the world they really talk about it they support it and 
I was just very fortunate to be on the, you know, on the receiving end of that. <laughs> That's so cool. And and yeah. to set the record straight, I know a lot of people don't know what, like, where, what your background is. You're from Greece, like you were born in Greece to Greek parents. Yeah, so my uh, my dad was fully, fully Greek, like spoke, yeah, I spoke English with the thickest Greek accent. And then my mom uh, was born and raised in New York City to two Greek immigrant parents who had immigrated to the U.S. in the 1950s, like through Ellis Island uh, and worked in New York. So then my mom met my dad in Greece um, on vacation, basically. And then, uh, yeah, she decided to stay and have a family. So I was raised in Greece and I didn't move to the U.S. until I was uh, 15, 16 years old. Uh-huh. And then I remember, wait, actually, before I move on from that, what's the skiing like in Greece? No, skiing in Greece is actually not as bad as you think. So we have Greek nationals there. I know it overlaps with U.S. nationals, unfortunately. So like you can't come and other friends of mine can't come. But uh, I would love for you guys to come to Greek nationals one year because it is actually really cool. It's not like, you know, I don't mean to speak ill of Vermont here, but it's like, you know, like they have, you know, the resort in Greece resembles a resort in more resort in Austria that more than it does in Vermont. It's not like a hill with like low temps. It's like actual, it's an actual mountain. Like my home, oh, mountain, like a high altitude mountain. mountain. Yeah, exactly. So like my, my home mountain, like the peak is, And you know, like you got to like Wait, drive. Hold up on, AJ. We we uh the, we lost you internet connection. The peak is what? Oh, sorry. So meters almost. So it's like pretty pretty high up there. <laughs> Wait, we literally <laughs> it literally cut out the instant you said how 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 many meters it was. <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. So um, the peak of uh, my home mountain is about uh, twenty five. 2400 meters so it's like a legit mountain which is oh yeah so what's that like 8,000 feet or something yeah give or take so yeah it's a mountain <laughs> that's cool that's really cool so there's skiing like there's a good long ski season there so like you're able to get your reps in i thought it was like these small hills that didn't have much snow yeah i mean it's it's a little further south than the rest of europe so like um they get a lot of snow and they don't get a lot of snow but they start getting snow in like late mid to late december but then the season, you know, if they get enough snow, like goes well into April. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's really um, cool. So yeah, I'll be back there in uh, late March, early April for Greek nationals. And uh, I'll be able to take, I'll be able to take some cool pictures and share it with the world. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd, I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing pictures of that and want to hear your report. Maybe I'll get you back on the pod to kind of give us a little five minute report on that. Oh, absolutely. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so then after you skied in Greece when you were younger, you spent some time in Austria, right? Yep. So um, my dad, when he was in Greece, he was a ski instructor and he also ran like a small uh, ski school. And when I was about 12 years old, he worked for Fisher and he had the opportunity to like open a ski shop in Austria in Caprun. And, uh, at that point, yeah, I was 12 years old. So my parents thought it'd be a good idea that I kind of moved to Austria, you know, learn the new language, experience a new culture and live there for a couple months out of the year. And, uh, it was around that time that I started ski racing too. So when I got to Austria, I was a Greek kid, Greek American kid, I guess I've never lived in the U S but you know, and I didn't speak any German and it was tough for me to make friends at that point, I remember. So my dad signed me up for the ski club and for the basketball, the local basketball team over there. Cause I also love playing basketball. So, you know, uh, I got to interact with, uh, some kids and some people I ended up becoming friends with. And that's basically how I started ski racing. You know, I was 12 years old. I skied my entire life, but I never raced. And then I started doing this, uh, you know, this really cool sport in a country where it's the national sport. So I'd go with friends and we'd watch the World Cup. That's what we do. You know, we'd watch uh, Saturday, Sundays. And then uh, we'd race during the week. It was, and I really started, started to love the sport. I mean, I absolutely sucked that first year. Like I was <laughs> really, really bad. Um, but I, 
I, I loved it. And, you know, I, I kept, I, I improved really quickly, you know, I, so yeah, so I kept doing it and it got to a point, you know, when I was uh, 14, 15, the, the goal for me was always to, to go study in the U S so, you know, the goal, so at some point it became like, oh, like ski racing. I mean, obviously the big, you know, the dream, let's put it this way, was to race on the World Cup. But, you know, a more attainable goal is like, oh, like I want to ski for a Division One school in the U.S. So that's when, uh, you know, I started taking ski racing a little more seriously. And that's when we came to the U.S. Uh, we went, uh, went to the Green Mountain Valley School and really started, you know, pushing, pushing the sport. <laughs> yeah. Go Gumbies. For those oh, listeners that don't know, I went to GMVS with AJ. AJ was a few years older than me, um, but we overlapped for a, a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> Since 1890, Stiefel has been committed to safeguarding the money of others as if it were their own. That means more than just building a portfolio. It means they're invested in you and your future success. It means their advisors are real people not robots or algorithms. And it means doing what's best for you, not just people like you. Stiefel is one of the oldest firms on Wall Street because they do things the way they should be done, and they've done it that way for over 130 years. Stiefel, since 1890. Visit stiefel.com to learn more. S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholson Company, Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. All right, so uh, you graduate GMVS you're on the US ski team, right? You like you're on the US ski team right when you graduate? So actually I I got to GMVS. I graduate when I'm 16. So I graduate a year early. So I have a birthday in November and I graduate a year early. And then I do a PG year with GMVS and then I get named to the team um in 2012 when I'm yeah, 17 years old. So I'm like May of 2012 I get named to the team. Mm-hmm. And then I I we we don't have too much time and so we can't spend the whole time like talking about the ups and downs but you were on the team you were injured several times you went to Dartmouth College you skied for Dartmouth College for a couple races right and then you were injured again basically i'm i'm just trying to explain to people that you had a long road yeah <laughs> uh yeah so let's let, let's see here so i i made the ski team that summer i blow my knee out for the first time uh my left knee and get it fixed the issue was it was like i was so young and i I did a lot of damage to my cartilage and my meniscus and my acl obviously but they they try to save everything as much as they could because i was so young but unfortunately nothing really took so then i had like a couple of years after that of just kind of like getting surgeries of like you know torn meniscus again of like stuff i just hadn't taken the first time but uh yeah eventually i get to the point in 2015 where i'm healthy again and that's my first really good year with the team i or 2014 2015 i think i I finished like in the top 15 europe cup standings i i won a bronze at the world junior championships i nationals behind behind dave chadansky so that was my first good year and then the next year, again, I tear, I tear my meniscus. I come back the following year. I score my first World Cup points, uh, win, win my first national title, and then kind of go into the 2018 season. That's the Olympic year. Uh, and <clears throat> I suck. I have, like, a really, really, really bad year. Like, don't qualify for the Olympics. Um, managed to salvage some decent points. Uh, for my world ranking through Norams, but then you know at the end of the year, that's when they, when they, they cut the ski team or the, when they cut the slalom team, me along with it. So then um, I'm in Dart. I'm at Dartmouth at that point. I've taken like four or five, four terms of school. So I'm like, okay, I'll come back. I'll ski for Dartmouth. Um, that summer, I blow out my knee again, big time, like, like ACL, MCL, meniscus, the whole shebang. The rehab, um, come back, and then that brings us to like the 20, 2019, 2020 season. And that's the year where I was going to race for Dartmouth. But off, like, win the first Noram, start scoring some good points. And at Norams, get the opportunity to do some, uh, some World Cups. I raced one race for Dartmouth, just one. 
got one podium though so that's my that's my bragging <laughs> rights right there it's my claim of fame uh sugar loaf and, and uh so the, yeah then that year we end and we're getting ready for crunch to go i'm with the i'm with the ski team we're training and that's when COVID hit so when uh COVID hit i, I this was so funny i remember i was roaming with uh, kyle negamir and hit and the coaches came in at four in the morning and this is closing the borders everybody like we're going oh. out of here we're like oh god so we changed our flights and we're all racing in munich to get out of um europe we fly home and it's like <clears throat> you know it's a world's world's a nice like whoa what's going on here so when that happened, I get a I get a phone call from the Greek Federation or from one of the coaches from the Greek Federation. And he's like, "Hey, like, I don't know what your status is with the U.S. team, but if you if you're interested as well, just know there's like no money involved." So I'm like, "Okay, fair, thank you." So I call the I call the ski team like Forest Carry at the time at the end of March. The U.S. team. The U.S. team, sorry. Yeah, and I'm like, "Hey, man." Like, you know, for like, what's, what's the status? What's my status for next year? And he's like, AJ, like, to be fair, I mean, that was a horrible time to ask him. Like COVID had just happened, right? Like markets are tanking. We don't know. Like people are like, you know, everyone's freaking out. Everyone's dying. It's like a crazy toilet, time. The toilet paper's flying off the shelves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> toilet paper, people hoarding Clorox wipes. Like, and I'm asking, I'm asking him like, yo dude, like, Hey, ski for you. Like, am I on the team for next year? And like, obviously he's like, he told me like, Hey man, you'll definitely be with us, but we don't know if you'll have to pay or not, which was extremely fair of him to say. Um, but you know, at the time, the way I was thinking about it, obviously I'd been, I've been cut. I'd come back. I'd been injured. I'd been all this stuff. And also it was always a big dream of mine to ski for Greece. So the way my brain worked at the time is like, well, if I have to pay for the U S team, I have to pay for the Greek team. I might as well do it for ski for the Greek team. And I have like, you know, quote unquote control of what I'm doing. So, um, so I call the Greek team. I'm like, yep. Okay. Let's do this. Let's start the process. Cause that's another thing. We had a deadline for the process. And that's why I couldn't really wait to see what was going to happen with the ski team. Um, the U S team again, like was awesome. They were super, you know, I explained to them that I wanted to ski for Greece. And I also explained to them that it's always my dream to ski for Greece. And they were super supportive. Um, Tiger Shaw, you know, let me go without a hitch. Like they could have, they could have like blocked that if they wanted to, they could have, uh, you know, <laughs> that, <helped> me. <laughs> that would have been really mean. <laughs> yeah. It would have been mean, but you know, they, a, a lot of countries have done that, you know, like, Oh really? Yeah. So like, that's something like, that countries don't allow quote unquote talent to like move countries, especially like the U S team. Like I was on the U S team for six years. Like they invested a lot in me and to their credit, they did make me the skier. Like they developed me a great deal. Um, but yeah, like I, I explained to them, I want to ski for Greece. Um, they were very cordial about it and they're great about it. They supported me. They still support me. You know, like we need anything like Ian Garner is there just a phone call away. Um, so yeah, switched to Greece and now the issue was I had no coach and I had no money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is perfect because my next question was, what's it like? Um, what's this team like? Like it's two of your good friends. Uh, you went to GMVS with Sandy mm -hmm. and it seems like you guys have a blast. Yeah. So, so I'll get this. Okay. So this is what happens next. So I'm like, okay, I need the money. Um, so I call, uh, I call Gary Eric's clip bar and he's the, he's the owner, the former owner. And I tell, I, I tell him, you know, what my dream is. I was like, Hey man, I really want to ski for Greece. There's no money. I, I, I really need you to help me if I want to do this. Um, Gary's mom is Greek. So, and he kind of like sympathized with what I had to say. So he's like, let's do it. Like, well, I'll help you out. So with the help of Gary and a couple other individuals, we managed to scrape a budget together. Um, so then my next question is like, okay, who's my coach? So I think about it and Sandy Vietz, who, you know, went to another fellow Gumby, like was on the ski, we we're on the ski team together and you and I came together. He's the UVM and we just spent that entire year kind of going back and forth at Norams. Like I think 
I was at the time I was I had the best on points in the US and Sandy had the third best on points in the US. So but Sandy was like kind of like done with ski racing. Like he was gonna he was gonna kind of transition to coaching. So I called him, I'm like, hey man, like, you know, this is this is what's happening. I I want you to be with me. I want you to do this with me. And he he said, Okay. And I was like, Oh my God, okay. So like I remember I was at school <laughs> at that point. I I drove up, I drove up that weekend. We uh we, we sat down had a beer each and we kind of like hashed out a a contract and like what we think this thing is going to look like and we went for it so then uh that first year i mean we could have an entire podcast about that we made so many mistakes we were janky but we did have a lot of help from a lot of people and then around december we realized that two like just the two of us doing this is is not feasible like having just one coach one athlete on the world cup so at the time, uh, we called Gabby Coulet, who was uh, Sandy's roommate and best friend. And he was working in Canada, wasn't enjoying his job. And we we're like, dude, like, quit and come work for us for free. We're skiing on the World Cup. It'll be fun. <laughs> so to Gabby's credit, like, what a psychopath. He just quits his job and comes, comes and joins us in January. And I remember he showed up on January 11th. And then on January 17th, I had my first you know like breakout race on the world cup so was that uh, when you got 11th in flachau yeah yeah that was when i got 11th in flachau and that was like that was like gabby's first race series with us so i was like okay like, so then he was hooked right yeah so then he was hooked exactly he was screwed <laughs> for him <laughs> um so yeah and then we like kept doing stuff together you know just figuring stuff out and that was a year where i was like i was skiing really fast but not really consistently like i had great splits great runs but never had like like didn't have a good race that I put together, so to speak, but um, it was a great year. And then, you know, we had a lot of momentum coming out of this year. Like, you know, it was like going like a graph, just like we were climbing and climbing and climbing. Uh, you know, we, we got some more money, like some sponsors came on board, the Federation, the Olympic committee, you know, they saw something. So they started putting some money in us and then had a great off season summer. Like I was, strong training well and then august freaking tear my acl skiing stubbies with no poles and everything just came down crashing again and it's like what the hell <laughs> so i had some sponsors that left me at that point um uh and then you know i got i got surgery and had some super uncertainty about what i wanted to do next uh, Sandy was extremely supportive. Obviously, Gabby was super supportive. Um, my family, my friends, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So you, when you got hurt, were you kind of like, ah, oh, it might be over? Yeah, like, and my my knee jerk reaction is like, you know, you know, screw this, I'm coming back. Like that was the initial thing. But no pun you know, intended. I, oh shoot. <laughs> I'm good. sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> French Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so yeah, my my initial reaction was, uh, yeah, I want to come back, but then you know, like you, I got my MRI. They went in there. The meniscus damage was worse than they had thought. Um, you know, it was it, it was just a it looked like a sh it was a shitty surgery, it was a shitty rehab. So at that point, you know. A couple of months in, I was in a lot of pain and stuff, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Um, at the same time, though, I'm like, you know, life's life's moving, moving off. I'm finishing off my degree. Um, I'm working with Steve Perino over at NBC. I'm helping him out with like some comment, not commentating, but like you know, get, garnering research for him. And then uh, in January, I get an offer from NBC to to go be their like boots on the ground person in Beijing. And I jump at it and I'm like, I'm like, absolutely. So like inside of me, I'm thinking it's like, you know, if you never get to experience the Olympics as an athlete, at least, you know, this will probably be the second best way to experience the Olympics, you know, like have a pass, like go around. So I'm also at school at the time. So I talk to my professors and I tell them like, Hey guys, I want to miss three and a half weeks to go to Beijing. And to their credit, my professor was like, 
Yep. Just do your work, have fun, and uh, we'll see you in February. <laughs> so I'm in Beijing. I'm working for NBC. I'm doing schoolwork for Dartmouth. And I'm also like doing a full rehab schedule. And all I can remember is like, I'm having such a good time. Like, I'm just so happy to be, um, you know, amongst friends and peers and competitors. And I'm just watching everyone compete and absolutely rip. I'm watching the ups, I'm watching the downs. And while I'm there, I'm like, ah, like, I, I gotta, I gotta try to come back. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how this is gonna <laughs> But I'm just I, I just miss this way too much. Um, so kudos to NBC for sending me there. While I'm there too, I'm also skiing on one leg, which is, you know, thinking back on it, like kind of reckless. But at the time I was like so certain I wasn't gonna keep skiing. And I was like, yeah, if like I, I really need to ski around Beijing. So I just did it on one leg. But I think that also helped me more because I was like, ah, if I can get down these hills on one leg, I should be able to two should be a breeze. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I came back from Beijing and I basically told my mom, like, hey, mom, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep ski racing. And, you know, this is where I my mom with everything instead of her being like, hey, uh, you know, maybe it's time you get a job. You're going to have a degree. Um, do something else with your life. She said, absolutely. Like, you, you got this, you know, keep keep doing it. You know, if my mom was, had said, go get a job, I probably would have gone to get a job. But instead, she showed me nothing but support. Um, so, yeah, then we're like back at it. Gabby's in, Sandy's in. And now we have to start from zero again, you know, find money, find a program, see how my knee feels like, oh, my God, what a mess. But yeah, <laughs> buffed. <laughs> it all worked out. And now... You're going to compete in the world championships. Um, I'm trying to get this episode out before you race, but actually I was going to ask you that. Do you prefer I do it after? Because it's, sometimes it's kind of a distraction to have like, not that my podcast is that much publicity, but it's <laughs> a distraction. <laughs> no, nah, man, you can, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't like... I like uh, this is a question I've gotten a lot. It's like, oh, like, are you a metal favorite for for Corsia It's like for me, this really doesn't change much. I think, I think it makes my life easier because I I start with a better bib and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to get some more sponsors in the off season. But you know, for me, and I spoke to this at length with Gabby and Sandy before starting the season. For me, coming back, it was a three, four year plan. Like my plan, my goal was to go into 2026 Milan Cortina Olympics, being like a medal contender, like being a person, like not a favorite, but just being a person who can like, you know, compete for a medal. That was on the their goal. on their on a good day can throw their name in the ring. Yeah, exactly. Like that's and that is still is the goal. So like you know, for me to do that, like, obviously you got to like start with, you know, getting a top, getting in the top 30 and then getting in the top 15 and then eventually hopefully one day getting in the top seven. So like the, the, the path for me is the same, like nothing has really changed. It's obviously cool. I did it, but at the same time, it's like, I, 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 I kind of forget about it sometimes. It's like, it's so surreal that it's like, I don't believe it happened. It's like, it's it's yeah. I, it hasn't really registered so for me it's like still that goal of like hey like long term this is what we have to be doing just chip away at it so that's that's it so for uh, for old champs like obviously you know i'll show up in the special with the boys see what the snow's like see what skis we want to go on see what the set's like make a game plan and execute um, and that, if that means like, you know, if I ski well and get 15th, that's a great day. If I ski well and get 10th, that's a great day. If I get a medal, yeah, it'd be freaking insane. But, you know, like for us, it's just like step-by-step. Step, I hate saying this cliche stuff, but like, you know, doing, like trusting the process, like going through it and not expecting too much. Cliches are actually accurate when it comes yeah. to sports unfortunately they are <laughs> yeah and the process is indeed long oh. well i have a couple questions from the crowd i i crowdsourced i i told people on my story my instagram story that you were going to be on the pod 
Um, so here we go. Uh, let me find a good one here. Uh, <laughs> do you identify with the Greek freak? Man, that guy is different. No, I do not identify with the Greek freak. He's on a way different level. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know who the Greek freak is, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's the uh, like seven foot freak on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks basketball Bucks. team. Yeah. 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 Uh, your three best free skiing slalom turns technique tips. It's a mouthful. Oof. Three. Um, what I like to think about when I free ski is outside ski pressure, separation, and good movement into the fall line. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I think about. I'm sure it makes <laughs> sense more in your brain than other people's. By separation, do you mean you mean like upper lower body, like disassociation, right? Yeah. So like basically what I think about, when I think about separation is like chest down the hill activation in the core and kind of like keeping the weight on the outside so like outside skin separation for me go kind of hand in hand but it's like basically keeping my chest down the hill and countered to my lower body if that makes sense yep it does nice i like that i like move like that what do you say about the fall line moving down the fall line moving down the fall line yeah i mean we, i, like I mean terminology yeah for me it's i feel like skiing is is such a complex sport and I just realized that I'm not like the sharpest tool in the shed, so to speak. So it's like everything that I say needs to make sense to me. So like if Sandy or Gabby or coach will say something to me and it's like, like, for example, like Sandy loved to use the term ankle flexion and made sense to him. And I had a conversation with him and I said like, dude, that just doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. Like use a different terminology or use it, like describe it differently for me. So um, I think that's super important, or at least it is to me that, you know, when you're talking to your athletes or if you're, if you're a coach and you're, or if you're an athlete and you're taking information that you fully understand what they're trying to tell you, like, cause you have these terms that are like vague, like, you know, I, like for me, it's ankle flexion. It's like, I don't understand what ankle flexion means. Like, I don't feel it when I'm skiing, but if you tell me like, you really? know, yeah. So it's like, if you, if so you're what's, me, how do you translate that? Cause to me, that's like ankle flexion is one of my like go-tos. For me, it's like, it's like pressuring your outside knee in. It's like, it's almost, if you think about it, it's like very similar, but it's like different. So it's like, if you're, if like, if, if my, one of my coaches is like, yo, like you have to, pre you know, pressure your outside skiing a little bit, your outside knee in, it's like, for me, that, that makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, I got to pressure for, okay, got it. But it's like one of those trial and error things where it's like, oh, okay, this is, I felt, I felt this by doing this. Is this what you mean? Yes. Okay. So yeah, use that terminology. Gotcha. That's cool. I like that. Uh, someone named Kiefer asked, when is the GS comeback happening? Oh, Kiki. <laughs> Wasn't Kiefer got like a podium at the World Pro Ski Tour, right? Oh, recently, um, right? I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. I think in Bear Valley, I think he was fourth. Right. Nice. I mean, yeah, that kid used to rip, probably still does rip GS. Um, yeah, probably never, man. My knees are pretty banged up. Um, maybe, maybe do like a parallel in two years, but like a GS parallel, but I think GS, the GS dream has died. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. If you're podiuming Solemn World Cups, you know, who needs GS anyway? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I got two different comments asking about your setup you're Ooh. like i i know like people kind of like to keep their setup close to their chest but like is is there something like oh yeah like i like this uh, fisher like i i've played around with fisher models or like i i like have a particular thing about my boots yeah so um i'm pretty comfortable talking so I, I ski with two knee braces so that's pretty unique so i like whatever i tell you i don't think is going to translate because uh having two knee braces makes everything more aggressive um so i kind of like try to go as least aggressive as possible on everything that i can do um i can tell you about my edges like i i think like finish on the edge is one of the most important things so like i like a really sharp ski underfoot like we call it a crampon and then um as the ski uh, moves progressively forward and back, I like it to get progressively duller. 
from the from the middle of the ski to the tip and the tail and then mm. uh yeah i use a machine uh sandy uses a try one to get the edges sharp um if it feels great on ice on grippy snow um sometimes i haven't really tried it by hand seems to be working pretty well um and then yeah like fisher I obviously I ski on Fisher and then they have, you know, different models, constructions and stuff. Um, the ski that they have out now is pretty universal. Like the 393 works well on for everything. So yeah, keep it at that. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. Right. <laughs> it was just actually, I talked to Dave about this a little bit on the last episode, but you try to like have your, your go-to, you know, strategies or different snows, but you kind of keep it simple as well. Yeah, like I we were, I was just training with Dave last week and we, we got some pretty interesting conditions. It started like, you know, it was like pretty icy the first couple of days and it progressively, the hill was like, it was baking in the sun all day and it got progressively like, like grippier throughout the session. Um, and we, what we thought was cool is like, you know, you got a setup that works for 80% of the conditions, right? So it's like a setup that you're comfortable on almost everything. And then like, you can adjust, you know, by maybe like detuning the tip and tail the tip and tail for example that's like what works for me but you want that setup that's going to work almost everywhere and then you can have like a you know if, if you get on something and you slip down and you're like oh that's like super grabby okay let's let's move to this that we know works better or like oh that's super like super slick like okay let's add you always want that you can move Oh, I lost you for a second here. Uh, I still can't hear you, but I'll I'll go ahead for the last question we've got. Uh, someone named Trisha asked, "Best roommate you've ever had?" <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Trish. Uh, best roommate was Julia Kern. Oh no, <laughs> Trish. Uh, Trisha Mangan might be third, though. She might make the podium on that one. What, when did you room with these different people? Um, it was uh, my sophomore summer in two, 2019. Yeah, 2019. I roomed with, uh, we shared a house, me, Julia, and Trisha. Oh, gotcha. Super, <laughs> super, I was like, that's super the question has got to be leading. Yeah. yeah speaking of, house. okay, uh, I guess we, we're kind of out of time. But speaking of roommates, like, right. how is it living with uh, Gabby and Sandy? Are they clean? Man, it's so part of the part of being a team that has a low budget means that you are constantly with each other because we don't get hotel rooms. We we constantly rent Airbnbs. We cook our own food and all that stuff. So it's you're constantly on top of each other. Um, I think the first camp we did was the toughest one because it was also the smallest house I've ever been in. It was like obnoxiously small. And it was like me, Gabby and Sandy and Sasfe in August. And you know, we hadn't gotten in a rhythm yet. And, you know, Sandy would be like brushing his teeth in the sink and Gabby would be doing something else and you'd just be so irritated with them. And <laughs> likewise, they'd be irritated with you when you do something that's like, you know, one of your you know habits that annoys people. Um, but, you know, after that, you just kind of like learn to live with it. You swallow, he's just like, shut up and you just go with it. <laughs> yeah. It's a skill learning to live with people, especially in close quarters. But at the end of the day, you just kind of suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. I think it's like you, you think about it, it's like, okay, is this really pissing me off? Most of the time, the answer is no. So it's like, yeah, just this is your problem, not theirs. And then if it is something that's like, you know, like, okay, you're, you're leaving your, like, your dirty socks on the floor. You're like, hey, like, could you please pick up your dirty socks on the floor? It's a small space. And they're like, yeah, dude, absolutely. I'm sorry. And you're all good. Um, but it's a skill that we've all learned. And obviously I'm like kind of the princess of the team, you know, cause I'm the athlete. So they, they give me a longer rope, but man, I, I appreciate their patience. Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Gabby and Sandy. All right, AJ, yeah. we're, we're at the end here, but I always give my guests uh space at the end to really say anything they want. And sometimes it's shouting out a sponsor or it's shouting out, um, anybody or talking about something you still wanted to talk about? Um, I, I uh, yeah, thanks, man. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, the other thing is like I really want to thank 
you know, my sponsors, my friends, my family, my girlfriend for like always supporting me and being there for me. Like, like I said, this has been a really, really tough, shitty journey at times. And I'm really happy to have seen it through this, you know, this long. And I hope to keep going. Um, I, I really think the ski racing community is unique. Um, it's extremely loving and caring. So I'm just, yeah, you know, totally I truly, agree. yeah, I truly feel like I'm one of the luckiest people in the world to, to be able to like see it through this, this long and yeah, hopefully we can keep going. And again, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. It's good to have you, AJ. And it's fun to hear you talk about the ski racing world because I have experienced bits of that too. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a special place. Well, thank you for visiting Arc City, AJ, and we wish you the best for world champs. Thanks, Jimbo. Appreciate it, man. Take care. See you soon. AJ said that he arrived at the hotel in Courchevel last week and had a crazy amount of media requests and he still managed to fit me in so I'm really really grateful to him for that. There's no skiing history nugget this week but I will give you a little skiing history factoid. With his silver medal today AJ Guinness becomes the first Greek athlete to ever win a medal in any winter sport. Crazy. Anyway, if you have a skiing history topic that you want to have me cover, send me a message. I am open to ideas. ArcCityJimmy at gmail.com or on Instagram at Jimmy underscore who underscore. And that will do it for us here in Arc City this time. Between Jet Seymour going from bib 59 to 7th in the last World Cup to the Americans winning gold in the team event to AJ getting silver today, I've had enough excitement to last me for a long time. But I should be back with another episode before long. Until then, lay some arcs on your nearest groomer, check out the Arc City merch, and keep the good vibes rolling. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and thank you for visiting Arc City. Arc City.